hard-hitting medical truth, cutting through conflict and confusion to the understanding you're searching for. Join Dr. Peter McCullough, world-renowned medical expert and practicing physician for this edition of the McCullough Report. Your life may depend on it. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report, and I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. I have hardly any time for a monologue because I have a great interview. I've been waiting for it. Mr. Steve Smith of Responsible Technologies is going to take us A to Z on genetically modified organisms, Roundup, which is glyphosate, and what is being done to genetically modify crops so it can resist herbicides and then we actually eat the crops that the herbicides are used on. All of us need to listen to this interview. It's gripping. I've provided all the resources from his website. So let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report. Yes, it's happened. My daughter is home and an upper respiratory illness has stricken the McCullough household. She has fever, nasal congestion, cough, and I can tell you, she doesn't feel good. And we want to protect her and others in the household, including my nearly 90-year-old mother-in-law. What are we doing? We're using Cofix RX. Uh, this iodine-based nasal spray uh, loaded with virus-killing uh, povidone iodine, as well as an important uh, adjuvant, uh, cartagenin. We are using this uh, for those of us not sick, twice a day, and in my daughter, we're using it multiple times per day as her multi-drug treatment to get her through the respiratory illness and get our family protected and back on the way to health. So go to America Out Loud Talk Radio website, find the bander bar for Cofix RX, and order your next box of this important defense tool that each and every family listening to the McCullough Report needs to have on hand Cofix RX. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, pulvinone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made Cofix RX nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code out loud and get 20% off. I met this terrific gentleman at a holistic dental meeting, Mr. Jeffrey Smith. He grew up in Westchester, New York. He went to State University of New York uh, in Binghamton. That's kind of in that lower uh, Catskill area of New York State. Received his ma um, a master's in business administration in Fairfield, Iowa. And he has evolved over time. Really interesting story. Evolved over time as one of the world's experts in GMO. He's going to explain what GMO is in our diet and how we need to understand this and navigate forward. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the McCullough Report. I'm so glad to be here, Peter. Well, let's get, take it off from here. How did you get interested in this? What do you do in terms of your livelihood? And, and bring us up to speed pretty quickly in this field. 
Sure. Uh, 27 years ago, I went to a lecture by a genetic engineer who was blowing the whistle on the technology. That was the year that genetically engineered soy and corn were going to be deployed in the United States by Monsanto company. And it was genetically engineered not to die when sprayed with Roundup herbicide. They were, they were wanting to maintain their dominance in the Roundup herbicide market. Their, their um, herbicide was going off of patent. But this case, if you buy their Roundup Ready seed as a farmer, you sign a document that you'll only use their version of Roundup and its chief poison glyphosate. Now, the scientist that I was listening to was saying there is no way that Monsanto or anyone in the world can guarantee safety of a genetically engineered food because the technology is just not there. There are too many unknowns every time you use it. And not only will that put at risk everyone who eats it, but once you release it into the environment, it can cross-pollinate, change the gene pool forever. So I thought I'd help out a little and a thousand lectures and a thousand interviews in 45 countries later, two books, five movies, training 1,500 people to speak on GMOs. I did help out a little and I continue. And I founded the Institute for Responsible Technology along the way 20 years ago. And we've emerged as the leading uh, educator for consumers about the health dangers, but not just about the health dangers. Because if we say it's unhealthy and Monsanto and the FDA says it's healthy, who are we? So we actually had to show the industry manipulation and political collusion that allowed these on the market. So we, we expose the corruption, expose the, the checkbook science, and give people what's really happening. Wow, that is fantastic. What were you doing in terms of your livelihood before you kicked off in this area? Well, I was a chronic do-gooder and I was working on personal development and helping here and helping there. But my background is a lot in terms of communications, marketing, and education. Everyone in my family is a communicator and that's what actually got me involved in this because I heard the scientist, he wasn't the greatest communicator in the world and I didn't see a strategy. And I was feeling like we need to talk about the health dangers to consumers. And I looked around and all of the other NGOs on the planet we're focused on environmental issues, seed saving issues, patenting of life. And I said, you'll be fighting that battle with those issues for decades and everyone in the meantime is gonna be eating GMOs. We learned later that Monsanto's goal, which they told to Anderson Consulting when they asked, what's your ideal future in 15 to 20 years, was to genetically engineer 100% of all commercial seeds in the world and patent them. So we needed to put the brakes on and do something dramatic. And so we armed people with very deep science. So I ended up interviewing scientists and doctors all over the planet, sending them what I, writ what I wrote up about what I thought they said, they approved it or amended it. And so I ended up being the lead spokesperson on this topic, even though I'm not a scientist. And we did surveys and we put a lot of people together and we made a big impact and I was ready to basically uh, celebrate our success because after 26 years, half the population of the world believed that GMO foods were not safe. And this was beyond what our goal was. And then all of a sudden, GMO 2.0 comes along, gives the keys to the kingdoms, Peter, to virtually anyone with $2,000 or access even to a high school lab. And now virtually anyone can create a new GMO release it into the environment 
where it will never be recallable and it can corrupt the gene pool and the most common result of genetic engineering is surprise side effects. Well, how did this happen? Was Is it a labeling issue where initially there was labels and warnings and there was a way to get around it? Or was it a technology jump or what happened? It turns out that the White House under the first Bush administration was convinced probably by Monsanto that by allowing GMOs quickly into the marketplace, it would increase U.S sales, exports of genetically engineered crops, as well as the domination of world food trade. So Dan Quayle, the vice president, who was in charge of basically a top-level committee, was told, figure out a way to put this on the market. They told the FDA, EPA, and USDA, fast-track this. We don't want Congress involved. We don't want any new, new laws. Just use the existing laws that were created long before GMOs existed and just regulate them with those laws so we can get it out quickly. And the person who was in charge of, of, Monsanto, of developing ideal laws for Monsanto, who was their outside attorney, Michael Taylor, they created a position as the deputy commissioner of policy at the FDA. So he was in charge of FDA policy while the GMO policy was created. And every time the scientists gave him information about their concerns, saying GMOs are not the same, they can create toxins and allergens and new diseases. He took that information, removed their concern, and made the policy basically void of any problems. And the policy ultimately said, the agency is not aware of any information showing that the foods created by these new methods differ from other foods in any meaningful or uniform way. That quote was a lie, it was total fraud, but on that basis, the Michael Taylor policy said companies like Monsanto can introduce a GMO into the market and declare it itself as generally recognized as safe. There was no need to participate in the superficial review that the FDA was offering. And basically it was allowing companies to put their GMOs on the market. Once that was in place, he then became vice president of Monsanto and then later back at the FDA as the US foods are. It turns out in 1998, a friend of mine sued the FDA and they were forced to turn over 44,000 secret internal memos. That's when we realized the fraud, that the overwhelming consensus among the scientists working at the FDA was exactly opposite of what was written in the policy. They said GMOs were dangerous and needed to be tested. The policy said, we see no difference, no testing was necessary. Now that we have much more testing than we had when I started out, we can confirm that the scientists at the FDA were right. There's a lot of health issues that we believe are stemming not only from the GMOs, but also the Roundup herbicide that is sprayed on most of them. So can you take, can we take an example? Because this, sometimes this is just overwhelming as a consumer to try to figure out, you know, should I be worried? Should I not? The corruption doesn't sound good. Can we pick a working example and work our way through it? Um, just pick any one you want. If, if it's the plants and Roundup and genetic modification to make it more resistant or bigger apples or bigger strawberries, can you pick something and start from the beginning and, and, and tell us where we can dig in and start to understand this? Sure. Uh, there are no larger fruits or vegetables because of genetic engineering, seedless watermelons and pluots and things. That's from natural breeding where you 
where you select among different, and they go through sexual reproduction, as has happened for millennia. Here, you'll take genes from one species and often put it in a gene gun and shoot the, and, and coat like little pieces of tungsten or gold and shoot that gun into a plate of cells, hoping that some of the genes make it into the DNA of some of those cells. Then you clone those cells into plants. Now, in the case of soybeans, uh, we have uh, Roundup-ready soybeans. Uh, someone found bacteria growing in a chemical waste dump near Monsanto's factory, not dying in the presence of glyphosate, the chief poison in Roundup. Glyphosate is an antibiotic. It kills microbes. But in this case, it wasn't. So they took part of that gene out of that microorganism and put it into soybeans so that the soybeans would not die when sprayed with Roundup. This means that you can spray right over the top of a soy field, Roundup herbicide, you can put it on a plane, you can put it on a sprayer, and you'll kill all of the other plant biodiversity, but you won't kill the Roundup-ready soy. They also have corn, cotton, canola, sugar beets, and alfalfa, all Roundup-ready. Now, it turns out that there were one study, a single study put out by people from Monsanto that said this proves that the Roundup ready soybeans have no problem and they simply allowed everything that was genetically engineered onto the market and that was supposed to be um, locked down. Well, I was one of the one of the people that worked with scientists to analyze that paper and it was all fraud. I mean, they they hid evidence that did not agree with their principle. They they made things confusing and hard to read. They took material from different uh, control groups and mixed it up so there was a lot of statistical noise, and we caught them red-handed. Now, just to be clear of how serious their fraud is, I'll give you another example in terms of Roundup that just came out in the recent Roundup trial when Monsanto and its new owner, Bayer, were convicted and fined tremendous amounts of money because their Roundup turns out to be linked to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so they wanted to prove that Roundup did not absorb much into human skin. So they put it, took human cadaver skin and they put Roundup on there and it absorbed more than three times the allowable level. So they did a typical Monsanto study where they took new human cadaver skin, baked it in an oven, froze it in a freezer, then took that leather-like human skin, put Roundup on it and hardly any got absorbed. And that's the amount that they told the EPA without telling them that they had baked and frozen the human skin. Complete and utter uh, fraud. We, caught, we catch them red-handed all the time, and yet they have amazing influence. So now 95% or 93% of the soybeans grown in the United States are Roundup ready. And so in your food, it could be something like, it could say soy, but it could also say soy, soy protein isolate, soy oil, all sorts of derivatives. Same with corn. Corn has so many derivatives and it's in most processed foods. And what's interesting, Peter, is that I was reporting all over the world about how rats, for example, when fed genetically engineered uh, foods had 
damage within 10 days, potentially precancerous cell growth in their digestive tract, smaller brains, livers, and testicles, partial atrophy of the liver, damaged immune system. I was seeing rapid changes in lab animals. And when people came up to me and said, we, we can tell when we eat a GMO, I'm embarrassed to say that I was skeptical. But in 2006, I started presenting the scientific evidence to doctors. And I would go back year after year. And one year I went back four years later with a video camera. And I started interviewing the doctors who had seen me year after year. And these doctors were now prescribing non-GMO diets. And they were saying their patients were getting better. And a lot of them and most of them in ways that they never predicted before. So I went with a video camera into the offices of some of these doctors and interviewed the people. And sure enough, dramatic changes. I went to farms where farmers took pigs and cows off of GMOs, similar changes in one or two or three days. So I started asking at conferences all over, how many people noticed an improvement when you switched to non-GMO? A bunch of hands went up. I'd say, give me an example. Someone said something like, you know, digestive issues. Okay, how many others noticed digestive issues? That was always the number one. And I did this at 150 lectures, including about two dozen medical conferences, where I was asking about their patients, which could be thousands and thousands, and not just the people in the room. Then we surveyed 3,256 people who reported getting better from the same 28 conditions that people in these lectures reported getting better from. This was peer-reviewed and published in the International Journal of Human Nutrition and Functional Medicine, and it shows digestive problems, fatigue, obesity, brain fog, anxiety, depression, allergies, and sensitivity, and many others, and I'm still above 50% at this point of people reporting that they noticed an improvement. All of these were reported from these people. And now we understand, if we, if we look at the data of the incidence of many of these diseases, they are rising in parallel with the re increased use of GMOs in Roundup. If we look at the animal feeding studies on GMOs in Roundup, we see precursors to these same diseases. When we interview doctors, they tell us these are what they saw get, getting worse in their patients, and that includes veterinarians who are livestock and pets. And when they change the diet, things turn around. And we've been e even been able to identify modes of action linking GMOs and Roundup to specific diseases, to insomnia, to digestive problems, to autism, infertility, et cetera. So now we're armed with a lot of information and it usually takes people just a few minutes of getting it and they go, OMG, I need to stop eating genetically engineered foods. And then we spend a lot of time teaching people how to do that. Mm. Boy, this is really complicated. So trying to catch up with you. So uh, uh, glyphosate, which is Roundup, is a herbicide. So it kills plants and weeds generically. And so some strategies if you wanted to preserve something to survive Roundup and, and let the crop live but kill the weeds would be to incorporate a soil bacterium gene, for instance. Yeah, a specific could, gene, right. Right, that could uh, do it. So sounds like there's two threats. One is the threat of the Roundup itself on plants, the uh, glyphosate, but that's not a GMO. That's just a just basically a herbicide. 
And, and then the GMO is actually the modified plant to survive the Roundup. Right. Is that and, right? Yes. And there was a study done in France where a toxicologist wanted to find out, okay, so what's the problem? Is it Roundup or is it the corn? In this case, Roundup ready corn. He was one of the scientists that reviewed Monsanto's submissions for approval by France and also by the EU. And he looked at the Roundup ready corn and there was over 50 issues in these rats that were very serious. And so he quietly did his own two-year study using the same type of rats, the same number of rats, but just did more tests. But also some rats ate the Roundup-ready corn that had been sprayed with Roundup. But another group ate Roundup-ready corn that never had the Roundup sprayed on it. And a third group had natural corn mm -hmm. and Roundup in their water supply at mm -hmm. different levels, depending on which group. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that the group that was eating the Roundup-ready corn that was never sprayed had multiple massive tumors, premature death, and organ damage. But those that were eating the Roundup in the drinking water had the same multiple massive tumors, early death, and organ damage. And the third group that had the Roundup-ready corn sprayed with Roundup had the same thing. So it turns out yeah, it was both, Peter, the GMOs and the Roundup. And when we look at different types of GMOs, not just the Roundup-ready, we see all sorts of issues, tumors, cancer, damage to virtually every organ and system studied. And, and that's from just a handful of studies that we have on GMOs. We know a lot more about Roundup because Roundup has, has been subject to many more studies. And it, it, the, what it does is so damaging to the fundamental pillars of health, blocking the ability to use minerals, uh, creating leaky gut, killing off the microbiome, depriving the body of the neurotransmitters like serotonin, melatonin, and dopamine, messing up our, our hormones, damaging our mitochondria, causing uh, intercellular lack of intercellular communication, interfering with purification, causing birth defects. All of these things have been identified in the Roundup and its chief poison, glyphosate. So it's a nasty stuff. And unfortunately, it's not just on Roundup-ready uh, crops. It's also used as a, to, to dry down, it's called a desiccant, to dry down a lot of grains and beans just before harvest. So you'll find it soaked into oats, which are not GMO, but high levels of Roundup, unless it's, unless it's organic. You'll find it in lentils and mung beans and garbanzo beans. It's sprayed on orchards and in vineyards. So we recommend now not just going non-GMO, but going organic. So now we ha are tracking people who, when they go organic, are reporting getting better from a lot of different disorders. Wow. You know, I'm just trying to, to catch up with you. You're moving so fast. And, um, you know, the way of trying to make things round up ready, uh, one of them is by uh, a bacterium strain that encodes for a, glyco glyco a glyphosate tolerant enzyme. Exactly. CP4EPSP synthase. Exactly. The expression of this results in these tolerant uh, crops. 
What is it about this synthase do you think has toxicity in the food? Obviously, it's, it's not supposed to be there naturally. It's not there naturally. What is it? Uh, what, what does it do? This is, a, you know, this is an enzyme that, that must be we're ingesting in food. Right. There's a number of things, actually, and the enzyme is only one of the things that's a problem. The glyphosate alone is not the only toxin in Roundup. In fact, there's other pieces that actually are more toxic, um, the POEA, the, the other endocrine disruptors. But let's focus on glyphosate for a second. Mm -hmm. we'll, start, we'll start with what Monsanto said. They said our glyphosate blocks what's called the shikimate pathway in plants and kills plants. It's a particular way that the plant creates things and it stops that creating and then it kills the plant. And they said, humans don't have the shikimate pathway, so it's safe, you can drink it. It says it's safer than table salt. Well, it turns out that our gut bacteria do use the shikimate pathway and they use it to produce the precursors to serotonin, melatonin, and dopamine. And so that's an example of kind of sleight of hand and Monsanto was sued and had to pay $39 million for lying to people, saying that it's no problem with humans, knowing that it actually could throw off these neurotransmitters. But glyphosate was originally patented as a descaler to clean off the mineral buildup in boilers and pipes industrial boilers and pipes. And that's because it's a chelator. When I say chelator, I mean it's a hugger. And it, you know those, those cousins that hug and, and never let go? Well, that's glyphosate. It hugs minerals and doesn't let go. And that's how it strips these mineral buildup inside boilers and pipes. But when it's sprayed on crops, it also blocks and grabs the minerals, making them unavailable to the plant. The plants become mineral deficient. Most of the livestock in the United States eat Roundup-ready crops, you know, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And those are mineral deficient crops. They also have extra Roundup circulating in their system, which grabs onto minerals, making them mineral deficient. And then we eat the mineral deficient plants and animals with extra doses of Roundup, and we become mineral deficient. So when you asked, what is the mode of action that happens? Well, as you know, minerals are like the keys to the ignition for so many different activities in our body. If the mineral doesn't show up, it's like the workers are there on strike, waiting for the foreman. When the mineral shows up, then it can happen. So it blocks all sorts of things, some of the detoxification pathways in the, in the liver. Now, even by blocking the ability for the liver to take out poisons, Glyphosate turns out to be like the king of poisons because it means it's not only causing problems directly, but all of the other toxins that are normally ushered out of the body by the liver may still be inside us. So I'm just going through a few of these things because they talk about the shikimate pathway, but we can also talk about the fact that they patented glyphosate also as an antibiotic. And when it was applied to a human gut model, the damage was so severe that one of the scientists working on it went through my list of the 28 different conditions that people reported getting better from and described how each one of those conditions from cancer to autoimmune disease 
to high blood pressure, memory concentration, all of them could be made worse or, or instigated by the changes in the gut bacteria as a result of the antibiotics that, that glyphosate is in our food. I think most of the listeners like me, Jeff, are getting our very first education on Roundup, glyphosate, Roundup-ready plants that have been genetically modified to resist the Roundup, the fact that the animals eat them, and, and we're fairly deep into uh, a, a food supply concern for sure. Well, let's take a break right here, and then we're going to return on the backside of the McCullough Report. A fascinating uh, interview with Mr. Jeffrey Smith. Let's get real. Let's get loud. On America Loud Talk Radio, this is the McCullough Report. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. Let's get real. Let's get loud. On America Loud Talk Radio, this is the McCullough Report. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough, your host of the McCullough Report, and I'm also the Chief Scientific Officer of The Wellness Company. The Wellness Company is offering the Signature Series Spike Support Formula. The Wellness Company supports this formula because it's designed to remove spike protein from the body in its design in terms of its mechanism of action. The accumulation of spike protein occurs because of repeated COVID-19 vaccination and COVID-19 illness. The spike protein stays in the body a long time, causes heart, brain, uh, body tissue damage, as well as blood clotting. The spike support formula is designed to help the body catabolize the spike protein, begin to remove it through its natural mechanisms. This product has been carefully sourced. Uh, It is all US made, highest quality, non-GMO and non-vegetarian ingredients. No fillers in here, just the active substances. Let me give you what is in a standard serving size. Standard serving size is two capsules and you would take two capsules twice a day. It includes natokinase, the principal uh, ingredient, 2,000 fibrinolytic units or 100 milligrams. Those are uh, equal in terms of uh, conversion. Selenium, 75 micrograms. Black sativa extract, 500 milligrams. Irish sea moss powder, 500 milligrams. Green tea extract, 150 milligrams. And dandelion extract, 50 milligrams. Why the other ingredients? The other ingredients are designed to help block the spike protein's effect on tissues, help tissues recover and repair. It's the best we have now when patients are in need. At this point in time, we can't make broad therapeutic claims regarding disease states, but we can tell you that this is reasonable in terms of supporting the body and helping the body clear spike protein and allowing your pathway back to better health. So go to twc.health and check out the spike support formula You can use our promotional codes or go through our banner bars on our site to get promotional codes and discounts on your purchase. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. AmericaOutloud.com 
If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought, working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report, and I'm Dr. Peter McCullough, a GMO, a genetically modified organism. In this conversation, it's genetically modified to resist the herbicidal effects of Roundup, which is glyphosate. So we've all expanded our nutritional vocabulary Jeff, it seems like we are uh, inundated with nutritional epidemiology information. This is good for you. This is not good for you. But a, 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 a reasonable conclusion that we've arrived to over the last several decades is eating fresh fruits and vegetables is a good thing. In general, that's a good thing. Now I'm starting to really wonder about the use of glyphosate in, uh, let's take, uh, uh, fruits, vegetables that, you know, end up on our table. Can you give us an idea? Sure. You mentioned, I think you said 95% of corn and soybean are, you you know, basically genetically modified to resist the herbicidal effects of Roundup. Can you give us an idea of some high-risk foods in terms of human intake of Roundup, which is glyphosate, and also intake of, by quantity, genetically modified food? Beautiful. So there's about a dozen GMOs in the food supply in the United States. Um, Soybeans, corn, cotton is there because of cottonseed oil, canola for canola oil, sugar beets, not the beets that you eat at your table, but they're converted only into sugar, alfalfa, which is used as, as a hay for animals. Those six are all Roundup ready And then three of them also have a built-in insecticide, which kills certain insects by poking holes in the guts of those insects to kill them. And we believe it's also likely causing some kind of leaky gut in humans, as well as as allergic reactions based on the research that's that's out there. So that's- What's what's the name of that substance? It's called Bt toxin. The Bt stands for Bacillus thuringiensis. It's a soil bacterium. 
And if you were to gather up the soil bacterium and put it in a spray and some farmers listening already use it, and you spray it on your crops when there's a lot of caterpillars, you'll kill the caterpillars. But then within about 24 hours, the sun degrades it. If there's rain, it'll wash off. And you don't end up eating it in the food. In fact, you can use BT spray even if you're certified organic. But with BT corn, for example, they genetically engineer a gene from the BT bacterium right into the corn. It produces thousands of times the level of toxin that's normally in the spray. It's designed to be more toxic than that which is found in the spray. And it's encapsulated in every cell so it doesn't wash off. And so we end up eating BT toxin in the corn that we eat that's genetically engineered. And some of the corn is both Roundup Ready and causes or creates BT toxin. So some of that is our sweet corn. So you end up with three different hits. The corn that's genetically engineered. We talked about some of the results there. The BT toxin, which has been linked to allergic reactions and poking holes in human, human mm -hmm. cells under high concentration in, in laboratories, and also the Roundup. Okay, so I got it. So there's glyphosate. It has a form of these, these synthases that make the, the, um, excuse me, corn resistant to, to the Roundup. But then the BT synthesis is that actually directly produced by the the cells in the corn in the kernels? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Wow. Okay. So then those are six. Now the other six are there's papaya, but only from Hawaii or China. There's zucchini and yellow squash, not all of it. Uh, there's an apple and a potato engineered not to turn brown when sliced. And we think because of the technology they use, using something called RNA interference, we're very concerned about that because theoretically it could affect how our genes express if we eat those foods. And then more recently, there is a pink um, pineapple that you can order online. Now, in other countries, they, they started creating wheat last year in Argentina, eggplant in Asia. Um, there's some rice that was approved in Asia as well, but with the, you won't see that in the U.S. diet right now. It's basically a dozen. And if you go to responsibletechnology.org, we have a shopping guide that helps you avoid those 12, as well as the derivatives which are not always straightforward because you might see things that you can't recognize and not realize they're from soy or corn. Now, the United States government tests the residues for all herbicides on food except glyphosate. They were, ah. convinc they were, they were convinced by their friends at Monsanto that it's so safe, they don't have to test it. So what we did at the Institute for Responsible Technology, we did some of our own testing Many other groups did testing on their own with their own dollars, and we compiled them all. So at responsibletechnology.org, you can get a list of which foods have high levels of glyphosate and which have low levels. And just as a sneak preview, oats have a very high level. Oats are not genetically engineered. They're sprayed with Roundup just before harvest, wheat, etc. But you'll find it in wine and beer and orange juice. But the trick here is if you eat organic 
organic food does not allow you to consciously, intentionally use either GMOs or Roundup. Now, sometimes there's a little bit of contamination because Roundup is used so often in so many ways. It's even in the air and in the rain. So if you're a poor uh, uh, farmer trying to avoid Roundup, you may not be able to because it may get in your crops. So there'll be a small, a small residue. And that means we have to have a level of tolerance and ease because we're not going to get down to zero in our food supply. But we can do our best by learning what's at risk. Wow, that's terrific. So organic, uh, you think, is pretty solid as a designation. It's meaningful. It's not just a, a branding thing. That's true. In order to have an organic certification, you need to document all of your procedures. There's certain things that are prohibited. You have to provide your, your receipts and you have to have an inspection. Now, there is some organic fraud, but it's not common. So you will find occasionally high levels of either GMOs or Roundup in organic, but it's the best we can do. And it's a pretty good system. Wow, that's terrific. That's really great news. In fact, I am still at the office. When I get home tonight, for, for sure, I'm going to mention that to my wife, who, you know, I, she pretty much is the person who, who procures all the groceries and everything. I know she tends to go organic. Is there a way clinically uh, for me as a doctor to surveil blood tests or something to see if someone really is getting uh, glyphosate you know, toxicity or other toxicities through through GMOs? Absolutely. It's water-soluble. The most common tests are urine. And mm -hmm. it just is an interesting side point. Um, glyphosate causes non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. The most comprehensive molecular analysis with rats, it wasn't, it's not like it might lead to, it causes. I interviewed the mm -hmm. scientists and that it causes it at high parts per trillion and low parts per billion. And the amount of glyphosate allowed in the water supply by the EPA on a per weight, per body weight, per day basis is 437,000 times higher than the amount that caused the non-alcoholic fatty liver disease in the rats of this particular study. Now, there is an epidemic of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and they have found that those with it tend to have high levels of glyphosate in their urine. And those with the worse version of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, the, the more dangerous one, tend to have higher levels of glyphosate in their urine. You can also do a hair test. Now, radio label studies show that glyphosate, most of it leads through the urine, but some of it will accumulate in the organs and eventually in the bone marrow which may be why that the Bayer Monsanto had to give uh, a settlement to 125,000 plaintiffs with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, since the source of that problem may be their, the glyphosate in their bone marrow. Jeff, why has Roundup not been taken off the market or why can't there be a safer herbicide that could be more selective for the weeds and not kill the crops? I mean, why are we stuck with this? You know, the, I, I've been exposing a lot of corruption at many high levels around the world. Um, I interview scientists, people on approval committees, and an interesting amount of evidence came out about glyphosate and Roundup during these Roundup trials. 
that I covered. In fact, there was an art, there was a, a memo about me from Monsanto's uh, files that was used by the plaintiff to show how they disregard science and instead attack the messenger. So it turns out there was a history of fraudulent science. Um, we can go into the details, but it's remarkable just how clear it is. They were concerned about the cancer promotion of of glyphosate, so they hired a Dr. Parry, who was the expert in oxidative stress and genotoxicity. He did an analysis of papers that they handed him and says, oh yeah, looks like glyphosate causes cancer, but we can't tell. So they gave him more, more papers, and he said, yep, it strengthens it. And you can read the interchange between executives and Monsanto saying, we can try and work with him till he changes his mind, but it'll cost a lot of money. One person said, has he ever done research for industry before? In other words, isn't, isn't, doesn't he supposed to know? He's not supposed to get these results. So they fired him. They never turned over the report to the EPA, which was legally required. And then they ghost wrote their own study. They ghost wrote it and then paid scientists to put their name on it. And that was the study that was had the exact opposite conclusion as Dr. Parry and was used by the EPA to say, we don't see any cancer. But we also got a chance to look at the communications between Monsanto executives and some of the lapdogs working on their behalf in the EPA, like Jesse Rowland. And he was in charge of the committee that was evaluating whether glyphosate causes cancer. The WHO committee said, class 2A carcinogen, probably human carcinogen, definitely causes cancer in animals. Where it's sprayed, there's higher rates of cancer. So look out. The EPA, we don't see a problem. It turns out he was working quietly, sort of on Monsanto's behalf. In fact, he even said, if I can get another department of the US government to not do a research on, Mon on Monsanto's Roundup and cancer, I should get a medal. Who did he tell that to? His friend in Monsanto. We have a document from another former toxicologist to him in the EPA saying that it definitely is a probable human carcinogen. It's way above his pay grade. All that he's been basically changing results to benefit the companies rather than to benefit human health. This woman pleaded with him to do the truth. And because she had cancer and was dying and she felt she needed to say the truth and then she died and Jesse Rowland actually not only declared that glyphosate wasn't cancer causing, but he leaked an internal document on the EPA um, website so that Monsanto could copy it and then distribute it and then said, oh, it wasn't supposed to be out there. At least that's the, the claim that it was him. And then he quickly left the EPA. This kind of behavior, and I can go on for 30, 40 minutes about how they ignored evidence and rewrote evidence to hide the effects. I mean, I, I remember speaking to a former Monsanto scientist and he said two things. He said that they fed round, they fed corn, genetically engineered corn to uh, rats and the rats got serious problems. So, they, so his colleagues rewrote the study to hide the effects. And he was very concerned because the rats were just stand-ins for humans, but they're eating a lot less corn than you eat, for example, in Southern Africa, and we've tracked some of the impacts there and it's devastating. He also said that Monsanto has a bovine growth hormone, an injection into cows to increase milk supply. He was aware of three of his colleagues that tested the milk and they stopped drinking milk unless it was organic after that. One bought his own cow 
because there was so much IGF-1, which is a cancer-promoting hormone, in the milk of the cows that were injected with the company's bovine growth hormone. So I'm, I'm sorry to say, Peter, that having looked at leaked documents, having interviewed people that formerly worked for Monsanto, having been in this game for 27 years, it's as bad as you think it is in terms of them actually knowing how bad and yet doing whatever they can to attack people that come up with, with truth, um, using them as poster child, so to speak, to say, if you, if you come after us with any kind of GMO testing and you show any problem, we'll treat you like we did with Dr. Pustai or this other doctor. So I got a chance to interview some of these whistleblowers who've been attacked and it's kind of a, it's a sad deal but they're standing up to Monsanto. I was just did a quick check on Monsanto um, Roundup revenues and, and Roundup I think is certainly the leader in terms of herbicides, 9 billion per year. Wow. 9 billion, now listen, you know, <laughs> Pfizer, Moderna, it's 100 billion per year. Wow. You're, just, you're describing widespread corruption in a sense, this company fighting to keep 9 billion of revenues. Can you imagine what Pfizer and Moderna I don't want to imagine it. I'll leave, I'll leave you in that in that fight. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah, you can imagine what a fight that is. In the last few minutes, I wanted to have you make a few comments about organic herbicides, uh, citric acid, uh, D-limonene, lemongrass oil, clove oil, acetic acid. Uh, you, what do we know there in terms of what's really practical, what can work? Is there really a safer alternative? Uh, in terms of herbicide, well, on our website, we have a website called, you, you can click over to it from responsibletechnology.org rather than giving you too many websites. And you can um, take a look at alternatives to Roundup. Um, people will, will use steam machines and boiling water. And and it turns out when you have a healthy diversity, et cetera, you can end up with better lawns and better gardens. And I know there's many, many citizen groups that have gotten rid of Roundup by their city uh, parks and recreate parks and, and, and public works and by their counties. And when they use integrative, appropriate growing technologies, they end up with greener lawns and less use of water. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've seen side by side photos and it's remarkable. But the people make the, you know, if they're growing, if they're, if they're raised on Roundup, they don't know that it's possible to do these other things. And because this is, we are finalizing our time together, Peter, I'd like to add something else, if I may. Mm -hmm. um, right now, we talked about Roundup and we talked about GMOs. And uh, I know some people like to think of GMO as kind of God move over, like we'll, we'll take care of the genome and figure out what, what these are supposed to do. They have genetically engineered mosquitoes that they've released. They have genetically engineered salmon that's, that grows faster. Right now, the cost of creating a GMO is so cheap. You can buy a lab for under $2,000. Virtually every high school, if we don't do something, we'll be able to produce, have every student produce GMOs, especially the microorganisms. Now, from the bigger perspective, Peter, this means that we are looking at the possible corruption of nature's gene pool because we're putting in new genetic combinations with gene editing and other types of genetic engineering technologies. And the most common result of these is surprise side effects. But you can't recall them. Once you put them out there, they, they self-propagate, they replicate. Now, of all the different species that we're genetically engineering, the most dangerous 
are microorganisms. Some people out there already know that the state of the microbiome in our bodies is so important, it's an estimated up to 80% of our diseases find their source in changes in our microbiome, the microorganisms living inside us. The microbes living in soil can promote crops and sequester carbon. The algae in the ocean produces 70% of the world's oxygen. Um, fungi networks shuttle nutrients between trees and forests. It's like the micro-Jedi army that's been working on our behalf unseen through millennia. And now, when we allow these genetically engineered microbes that have combinations that have never before existed, once you release it, and you know this, it, not, it doesn't just travel and mutate like we know from the pandemic, it can also swap genes, take that genetically engineered new sequence and hand it off to a hundred or a thousand other microbes who then travel and mutate and hand it off to others. And in there's, there's a film that I want to invite people to see. It's called Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle. It's 16 minutes. And it shows a near cataclysm that happened, almost happened in the 1990s. And you'll see a scientist say that if it had been released as planned, a worst case scenario could be the end of terrestrial plant life. Another one, changing weather patterns. Would it have definitely done that? No one knows. But it gives you an idea that this is, this is an existential threat. So I would like to invite people to go to responsibletechnology.org slash take action. There you can sign, add your name to a comment that we're making to the USDA, which basically says, protect the microbiome. What you're doing is not good enough. We need to be much more careful. So you can add your name. We're going to send that off um, by May 21st which is the end of their, of their uh, comment period. And if you scroll down to the bottom of that page, there's two short films. There's a six minute animation on the left, all about the dangers of gene editing. But, I want, but the one that I just talked about called Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle, 16 minutes, that's the eye opener. Why we need to protect microorganisms as if life depended on it. And again, that's responsibletechnology.org slash take action, all one word. Jeffrey, this is fantastic. I'm on the website right now, and I want to let the audience know that actually uh, Jeffrey Smith, who we're talking to, is the director uh, of Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle. And the other film is The New Global Threat from GMOs. Uh, that's the one next door. That's the one, that's the one on the homepage. But if you go to take action, then the other one is called Seven Reasons Why Gene Editing is Dangerous and Unpredictable. You see, the biotech industry has launched a multi, multi-million dollar effort to convince mm -hmm. governments that the new forms of genetic engineering, like CRISPR, are safe and predictable and natural, and have convinced governments like the United States and the UK and Japan and Australia and India and Brazil and Argentina to completely deregulate it. So that means you can create a GMO plant, animal, or microbe in most categories without telling the government, without telling consumers. And so we decided to work with a genetic engineer, several of them, and document exactly what happens in the DNA when you gene edit. Nature called it chromosomal mayhem as a little bit of a plot spoiler. And we look at inanimated versions of the, F of the DNA so you can see what happens 
what happens during gene editing and why it would be so dangerous to release these products onto the marketplace. And, and certainly with no human testing, we haven't even gotten there. Oh yeah. Right? Because the issue is it's being done. There's no disclosure, let alone testing for safety in human consumption, you know, livestock consumption, et cetera. You've really opened our eyes. We're at the end of the interview. Uh, Jeffrey, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the McCullough Report. We're going to have to digest this and come back. You know, we have a large international following on the McCullough Report, Australia, Europe, South Africa, the UK, South America. I assume all of the issues we talked about today also exist for these countries and continents. In many cases, yes, you will find uh, there will not be genetically engineered zucchini or yellow squash or potatoes or apples or pink, papaya, pink uh, pineapples in some of these other countries. But yes, there's GMOs. Yes, there's Roundup and Roundup-ready crops. And organic still is a way that people all over the world can actually track their benefit. You said you were gonna talk to your wife when you got home? Yes. When you're switching to organic, Peter, my strong recommendation is create a spreadsheet and every day put the percentage of organic at the top. All of any symptom that you have, one to 10, your energy level, and your mood and weight if that's an issue, and then track it every day. I'm asking everyone to, who does this, because you may do it, you may look at our thing and say, oh, it helps with eczema or other skin conditions, or it helps with seasonal allergies. And you may just be focusing on that or, or obesity, and you may not hatch the fact that your blood sugar is now shifted or your high blood pressure's changed. So please be your own um, evaluator in a comprehensive way, and that will keep you on board. There's a film that I did with Amy Hart called Secret Ingredients, and a lot of the we talk about people that switch to organic and the infertile uh, families have kids and the kids on the autistic spectrum are no longer on the spectrum. And the doctors are saying that when the patients cheat and their autoimmune disease comes back and their joint pains comes back, then they realize how important it is to, to get uh, serious with their diet. And so I say, rather than having to wait till you cheat, just take notes. Wow, we're gonna have to leave it here. Jeffrey Smith, I'm going organic. Thank you so much for joining us on the McCullough Report. Thank you, Peter. Let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report.